Now think about that. 146 instances in which 40 is used as an important period of time. I mean, that really is amazing if you, if you think about it. You can see some of the biggest ones of those listed on the screen there. Some of them we're very familiar with. Others we may not know. Probably a lot of those 146 we were not aware of. But the Great Flood in Genesis lasted 40 days. Uh, the prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Jesus walked the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. And, and so on. There are just so many of them. But that symbol of 40 in scripture usually refers to a time of hardship, a time of trial, a time of testing, which then eventually gives way or leads to a time of triumph, of victory, and a lot of times the dawn of a new day or, so, or something new that is coming. Through hardships, the last 40 days or 40 years, the people of God become more aware of their need for God. And that's really what this season of Lent is supposed to be about for us. It's supposed to be a time of, of prayer, of fasting, of giving of ourselves to other people. And really a time to help us to, to refocus. Refocus on our faith, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and a Christian. And to renew us and help us to ascend to what God is calling us to as his followers and followers of Jesus. And so as we go through these Psalms of Ascent, we are hopefully going to be able to grasp how God is using these pilgrim songs or these steps in our journey to help us grow in our faith. And uh, I say pilgrim songs because... These psalms of ascent, they were actually sung by the Israelite people as they journeyed together to the temple in Jerusalem for the annual festivals that they were supposed to journey there for, that were held there. And so they start as a, as a people in a foreign land. We hear that some in Psalm 120 that we heard. Their journey in Psalm 121 has them looking to the mountains. And thinking about the many challenges that they face in life. And then in Psalm 122, they arrive at their destination in Jerusalem. As David sings and he says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, he said, Jerusalem. And so as we make our way through these psalms the next four weeks, I want to try to help us to... To relate these prayers, these poems, and these songs to our experience in life today. We don't make annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem like the Israelites did. Although you might have seen on Facebook, Larry and Pat Yoder are doing that right now. Which is kind of cool to see, uh, kind of relive my trip there through their pictures and what they're sharing. So we don't make those yearly journeys to Jerusalem for the festivals. But we do face many of the challenges in life that these people experienced and that these psalms are talking about. And so the, the question is, how can we take these verses and make them, uh, allow them to help us during these weeks of Lent in order to climb the mountain 
and to see more clear what Jesus wants to do in our life and how Jesus wants to move and change us in this life. That word ascent, you can see, is actually defined as a climb or walk to the summit of a hill or mountain. And so our first step on this journey is to pray for deliverance. Psalm 120, the very, verse, very first verse there says, I call on you, Lord, in my distress. Do you do that? Do you call on the Lord in your distress and moments of challenge? Do you bow your head in prayer? Do you get on your knees before the Lord and take your problems and your challenges in life to Jesus? You know, I think most of the time our, our, uh, our first response is to fret and to worry and to get all stressed out about what might happen, even when we don't know what might happen. We still tend to do those things. And it seems from verse 5 that the challenges of living in ungodly places, they were starting to weigh on these, these people. It talks there about uh, Meshech. Meshech was a nation in, in the north of Israel. And Kedar. Uh, Kedar was a nation to the south. Both of them were not pleasant, easy places to live. They were filled with paganism and they were violent places. The people were always looking for the next war to wage with, with anyone who is different from them. We can relate to that, can't we? I mean, some things are the same today as they were then when you talk about people and things like that. Now, our situation, of course, might not be as, as dire as what theirs was. But we are familiar with people who are difficult. We know people who are unloving and even hateful and sometimes violent. So how do you handle those situations when they arise in your workplace, at your school, or any other place in the community or, or where you visit. You know, do, do you pray and ask Jesus to deliver you? Or give you, you know, wisdom and how to handle a, a, a tough situation? Sometimes I think we just need to go to the Lord and, and cry out like it says in verse 2 here. It says, save me, Lord. Save me from those lying lips and the deceitful tongues that are out there that seem to be attacking me. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who might bring false accusations against me. I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's a much better approach than trying to take things into your own hands. Most of the time when we do that, <laughs> it doesn't end very well. Uh, you know, our emotions get the best of us. We react in ways that we regret later. And we maybe say words or have actions that hurt instead of help uh, the situation. But what if, what if we would instead take this approach? 
Call on the Lord and ask Him to save you from that. To deliver you from that. And then to provide you with the strength and the humility that you are going to need to be at peace with yourself in that situation and then also with the others who may be involved in that. In verse 1, it says that when we call on the Lord, He answers. And uh, you know, in a world and in a culture these days that is just, it's full of hate and, and vitriol, we need to be the people of peace that Jesus calls us to be. And verses 6 and 7 here says, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. He says, I am for peace, but when they speak, they are for war. And so, you know, as believers and as followers of Jesus, our first reaction to trouble and to conflict and to hardship in life needs to be an attitude of prayer. We need to call on the Lord. And we need to trust that he will answer us and he will save us in a way that only God can and that we can't. Psalm 20, 121 then. That was Psalm 120. This is Psalm 21. That Psalm leads us to trust and depend on God's deliverance that we pray for. You know, this is perhaps one of the best known Psalms after you get past Psalm 23, which of course is, is by far the most well known. In fact, uh, I would like to encourage us to memorize this Psalm 121 during this month as we go through this. There's only eight verses, and so it's not that hard for us to, to memorize it. Many of us probably can say a lot of it already by heart because we've heard it so often. But when we um, face challenges that life throws at us, there's no better response than this. We heard them in the video, in the message, but I'm going to read them again from the New uh, Living Translation this morning. Psalm 121 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumber, slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. As you come and go, both now and forevermore. I'm going to be the greeter this morning as you leave. And I have a little card that I'm going to give to each one of you with this psalm printed on it. As a way that you can just keep it in front of you this month. And work on memorizing Psalm 121. And I hope you'll join me in doing that. But these promises over your life are what you need to lean on. Your help comes from the Lord. How trustworthy and powerful is that help? Well, I like what it says here. It says, it comes from the one who created the heavens and the earth. I mean, you think that would suffice, right? 
The one who created the heavens and the earth is the one that wants to help you with the things in your life. I mean, how many times, you know, do we go searching for other uh, forms of help or think that, that other people and things are maybe going to deliver us? We can help each other. There's no doubt about that. There is some good in, in that. But this psalm is a reminder that God is going to help us ascend to the mountain when we feel stuck in the valley. As you make that climb, the Lord's going to help you and be with you each step of the way. It says he will not let you stumble. It says that he will watch over you. And it says that he never takes a break from that. I mean, isn't that a great promise to lean on? That God is watching over you 24-7. It might be a bit intimidating <laughs> to think of that. But I would rather be intimidated and aware of God's watchful presence than to be without it. The late Paul Harvey once told a story about something that happened in a church in Nebraska some, some years ago. The choir was supposed to practice on this Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. But slowly, one by one, two by two, uh, they all had excuses that they were going to be late that night. Something that rarely happened. Marilyn, the church pianist, overslept after her uh, after dinner nap. And so she and her mother were going to be late that night. One girl who is a, a high school sophomore was having trouble with her homework. And that delayed her, so she was going to be late. One of the couples couldn't get their car started, and so they, you know, they, they and those the people they were going to pick up were going to be late. All 18 choir members, including the pastor and his wife, were going to be late that night. At exactly 7.30 p.m., the time that the choir rehearsal was to begin, not one soul was in the choir loft at the church. That had never happened ever before. But that night was the only night in history of that church that the choir did not start right at 7.30. That was the night that there was a gas leak in the basement of the church. And when the heater kicked on, it ignited it and blew up the whole church. The heater was right below the choir loft where all of them would have been uh, singing. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Now, you know, some, some might say those types of things are just a coincidence, but as believers, we should see them as God watching over us. In our journey through life, we're given many opportunities to trust and to depend on God. As Lynn Anderson would say, I beg your pardon. What did she say? Never promised you a rose garden. You know, Jesus said something similar to that in John 16, when he said, Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. How did he finish that? 
I heard you say it. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you can trust in me. You can depend on me to overcome the trials and challenges that you are going to face in this world. And so the question is, are we doing that? Are you doing that? In one of the songs, the new song that we sang this morning, we sang the words that said, I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning, I'll rise and sing because my God's love will lead me through. Said, you are the peace in my troubled sea. Are we living in that truth and not just singing it, singing about it? You are my peace in my troubled sea. It's an important question to ask because so often these days it seems like, you know, we come up with our own methods of protection and safety. We almost act at times like, you know, God's watching over us is not enough and so we need to take matters into our own hands. If people threaten you, if life circumstances threaten you, if trouble comes knocking at your door, God should be the one that you depend on and that you trust in. Next month, uh, we're going to look at the life of David. And, you know, one of the stories that just amazes me about him is when he was being pursued by Saul. King Saul wanted to kill him because he knew that the Lord had anointed David as the next king. And, uh, and so he was being pursued by Saul and yet he spared Saul's life when he had the chance to take him out on his own. In uh, 1 Samuel 24, in the cave, many of you know the story. David had that opportunity and he says, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to the Lord's anointed king or lay a hand on him. A few verses later, David says, May the Lord judge between you and me, may the Lord avenge, and therefore my hand will not touch you. There's a lot more to that story, of course, and we might get to that next month. But like David, you can depend on God to be your help. You can trust Jesus to save you. Verse 8 here says, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and as you go. And that will not continue, or that will not ever stop. It is now, and it will be forevermore. Years ago, uh, when the well-known British preacher Charles Spurgeon was, was preaching on this psalm, he said it this way. He said, when we go out in the morning to work and come home in the evening to rest, Jehovah shall keep us. When we go out in youth, to begin our life, and we come in at the end to die, we shall experience the same keeping. Our exits and our entrances are under one protection, he said. That leads us to Psalm 122, where the encouragement is for us to step into the presence of God. You know, as pilgrims reached their destination at the temple in Jerusalem, David says there at the very first, he says, let us go into the house of the Lord. Where is the house of the Lord? 
I mean, is this the house of the Lord that we are in this morning? Many people would like to think that, you know, the church building in, in that way uh, is the house of the Lord. But the church today is much different than it was in the days of the temple in Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians, Paul made it a point to, uh, several times, actually, to say that we are the temple of the Lord. Our bodies, our, our life, our testimony, our witness. And it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And so we, the people, we are the church. Yes, you know, this is where we gather to worship and grow in our faith. But in the world, we as people are the church of Jesus Christ. We can step into God's presence at any time and at any place. Thanks to the life, sacrifice, and assurance that Jesus brought to us. And I, I want to say it's very important, I think, for us to gather in this way and in this place um, to worship the Lord and to encourage each other in the faith and to eat great food together. But in this day and age, when gathering together is becoming less important, I think we need to realize just how important it really is to be together and to be there for each other. But you don't need to step into this building to ask for forgiveness from your sins. You don't have to step into this building to pray or to worship or to sing praises to Jesus. You only need to step into the presence of God wherever you might be. Last year there was a song by Larry Fleet that was titled... Where I find God. And in that song, he, he talks about how God found him and, and saved him. And then in the chorus, he refers to this truth about God being everywhere. And he sings this. He sings, sometimes whether I'm looking for him or not, that's where I find God. In a church pew, in a deer stand, in a hayfield. Or on an interstate back to Nashville. That's where I find God. If you never heard that song, go to YouTube this afternoon and listen to it. It's a moving, very moving song. But you see, the important part of this is that you choose to step into the presence of God. That you choose to receive and invite the presence of God into your life. That's really what all three of these psalms today are encouraging us to do. Step into God's presence. Invite Jesus into your day-to-day -day life. Ascend upward into the ways of God. And into the grace of Jesus. And trust him to save you and to deliver you. It may take 40 days, it could take 40 years, but our journey, our ascent will not be the same without the 
Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as our most important source of help. Amen? Amen. Let's take that and apply it to our lives. I'm going to close this morning with this one final reminder from verse 8 of Psalm 121. The Lord will watch over you, over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's go to the Lord and prayer as we respond to his word of hope and promise today. Our Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We worship you today with reverence and awe because of who you are. We are blessed that you call us your treasured people and that you love us. Help us to love you and to worship you, Jesus, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And help us to love other people unconditionally in the way that you love us. Lord, help us to apply these psalms to our life. Help us to trust in your hand to deliver us. Help us to put our faith in you and to turn to you in prayer when we face the challenges of this life. And Lord, help us to step into your presence each and every day. As we awake, as we go to sleep, encourage us to not only move to higher ground, but to step into your presence and know that you will be with us. We pray your blessing over the food that has been brought today and that we will partake of. We thank you for these times of fellowship, of being together and encouraging each other in this way. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen.